Funding for the Hinckley Report is made possible in part by the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation and the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report as a podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe at your go-to podcast platform. Promotional support for this episode of the Hinckley Report podcast is provided by Trib Talk, an award-winning news podcast from the Salt Lake Tribune. Join host Benjamin Wood, Tribune reporters, and community guests as they dive into the latest topics affecting Utahns. Find Trib Talk at sltrib.com or by searching for Trib Talk on most major podcast platforms. Tonight on the Hinckley Report. The impeachment inquiry continues to escalate as Congress subpoenas major players in the Trump administration. Utah's congressional leaders enter the fray, garnering national attention. The Salt Lake City mayoral race intensifies as important endorsements roll in. And former Ambassador John Huntsman considers a bid to return to the governor's office. Good evening and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Michelle Quist, columnist for the Salt Lake Tribune, Ben Winslow, political reporter for Fox 13 News, and Rod Arquette, host of the Rod Arquette Show on KNRS. So glad to have you all with us. Big week in news, big week in politics. Uh, Michelle, to start with you a little bit about what's happening kind of about the impeachment inquiry, but mostly about how Utah is playing a part of this, particularly with Mitt Romney. So talk about that a little bit, because Mitt weighed in pretty significantly on a couple specific issues with the president this last week. Yeah, you know, he's never afraid to speak um, what he thinks, you know, speak what he thinks and and speak out against something that that President Trump is doing. You know, what I loved this week was just Romney, he's a class act. You know, Trump's, you know, had these multiple tweets about Romney needs to be impeached and, you know, all these things. And and then a few days later, you see this tweet from President Romney, I mean, from Senator Romney with his wife and his grandkids on the pumpkin patch. And it's like, we're out having fun. What I love was the message on his granddaughter's um, shirt in French. It said, you first. Now, I don't know if that was on purpose, but I loved it. It was the best subtweet ever. Uh Uh-huh. Ben, I don't know what the subtext was there, but but it was interesting in terms of the response because the president has had some harsh things to say about uh, Senator Romney. Pompous ass, can we say that on this show? (laughs) Well, that's part of a tweet. (laughs) Yeah. I think you just did. Yeah. (laughs) So it's part of a tweet, in fact. What do you make of this? Uh, Does that mean that Romney's, you know, strike an accord there or what? It, it, I mean, he's clearly just carving out his space, and right now it is a lonely island, at least in Washington, because he seems to be the only Senate Republican saying these kinds of things uh, about the president or about the impeachment proceedings, about uh, Syria. Well, Syria being a little bit different because there are a number of Republicans now, I should say. But um, he, he's clearly digging in his position, whether or not he's getting alliances privately, publicly from other Senate Republicans as this thing lurches forward. That remains to be seen. You know, we'll just have to figure it out. But th- right now, the war is on Twitter. 
Well, so it is right now, but what do you think of that, that comment you just made? Is, is he uh, kind of making a, uh, an, op an opportunity for other Republicans to see some light, some buffer between the president and other Republicans? It does make you wonder if Mitt Romney is going to take the heat from the president to give cover fire for everybody else. Um, just we got to see what others do if they step up as the impeachment proceedings go forward, of course, in the House and if they uh, if they get past the House and into the Senate. Mm -hmm. Rod, what are you hearing? Well, uh, this is the greatest feud since Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, if you really think about it. I mean, this is really good. And pick up on, on Ben's point. I wonder if if Romney, in a way, is trying to position himself the way Joe Lieberman did during the Clinton impeachment mm -hmm. uh, trial. Remember, everyone was kind of considering that Joe Lieberman was the moral leader of the Senate. Joe Lieberman got up during that trial and basically said, look, uh, what he did was wrong. It was wrong. I didn't like it, but I don't think we shouldn't impeach him. And that gave cover to a lot of other Democratic senators at the time. So I wonder if Romney is positioning himself in that same regard to give other Republicans cover if it gets to the Senate and if it gets to a trial. But, you know, Romney's base here in Utah and where he is, at least on my radio show, people are very upset at Mitt Romney. I mean, they are calling for his head. They're calling for his impeachment because they think, you know, he should be at least somewhat supportive of the president. And they don't see it, even though he said at a news conference this week that he's with the president 80 percent of the time. But it's that 20 percent which irritates people. So, Michelle, let's talk about that 20 percent, because uh, you kind of have to look at the numbers in Utah. Uh, when, when Mitt Romney ran for office, he got 90 percent of the self-identified Republicans right. voted for him. Right. Yeah. He's not going to ever have a problem here in, 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 a, in a campaign, in an election, in a general election in Utah. He's just not. His, his favorability is always high. People love him. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm really interested in, in what Rod said. I think it's a great point. He's, he's putting himself out there now as a moral leader and as a moral figure. You know, what Trump did was wrong, but I don't see him ever supporting impeachment win a vote you know in in a, in a Senate trial I don't think he would ever vote for it I think he's he's giving the space to allow us to say this isn't okay but I don't think he would ever go that far well I think I want to pick up on, on what Michelle there are some conservatives out there and I'm aware of it who are thinking do we take on Romney when he comes up for re-election already you know because there is that the Mike Kennedy supporters out there during the convention when Kennedy and Romney went at it for right. the Senate who still do not believe in Mitt Romney and are looking for maybe a stronger candidate to take him on and there are a few out there who are at least thinking about oh, it. For sure. but, but as you look at those potential candidates and that base, because the Republican base, the self-identified Republicans, yeah. were very much with Romney last time, not with, not with Kennedy necessarily. But not in the convention. Yeah. In, in the convention, uh, ex exactly. Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious. I mean, is, is there a real risk for Romney to take such a hard line, uh, in your opinion? Uh, I don't No, I don't think so. But I think it does give those who are opposed to him an opportunity to go after him a little bit stronger, because at least callers on the radio show that I do, yeah. a lot of these callers are saying I voted for him next time. No, they at least at this point. But this is what we're four years away. So th th <laughs> things would change. Trump may not be president in four years. Who knows? Right. And Romney's not up till 2024. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So, so he's got a while. Uh -huh. <laughs> he's got some space. OK, uh, Ben, I want to show a, a tweet from uh, Senator Romney and get your take on this as he talks about what, kind of the essence of, the, of this impeachment inquiry that may happen. He said, when the only American citizen President Trump singles out for China's investigation is his political opponent in the midst of a Democratic nomination, it strains credulity and suggests that it is anything other than politically motivated. That's a pretty strong tweet. Very strong tweet. <laughs>
So and it's very specific also. Uh, so when you, when you look at Mitt Romney on, on this particular issue, I mean, how, you know, how big of an impact is a tweet like that going to have? And is that really what many Republicans, particularly in the Senate, might really think? It might be what they privately think. Remember what he was before he was Utah senator presidential candidate for the United States, the Republican nominee. So he's speaking with some authority. He's speaking with outsized influence and a bully pulpit. And clearly, it's it's sending a signal. Mm -hmm. And I think it may send a signal from other factions, other, other offices in D.C. Uh, so, Michelle, uh, what are you hearing about his colleagues? You know, maybe Michael in the Senate, and certainly those in the House. Not what much. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, Representative Stewart. You know, well, what do I care about all that stuff? It doesn't matter. He just, you know, he doesn't. Um, he doesn't recognize. Uh, you know what what Senator Romney does, which is why it's so important that Senator Romney uses the quotes and uses the facts and the data when he puts himself out there because it's hard to argue against. Yeah, Rod, I'm so interested about what, what Michelle just said. It was such a good point because they're not saying anything. The Republican colleagues are very, not. Very quiet. What do you make of that? Very very quiet. Um, you know it. <laughs> It depends. Um, uh, the Arizona, former Arizona senator, talking about you know that he knows of at least 19 or 30 who would vote in favor of impeachment. They aren't going to speak ill of each other. That's kind of the unwritten rule in Washington. Trump can say all he wants, but they aren't going to speak ill of each other because if you ask Chris Stewart, what do you think of Romney? You ask Mike Lee. Well, that's between him and yeah, that, that's their own battle. So they aren't going to say anything until maybe it gets to a point that something really emerges here that they can hang their hat on. But right now, a lot of them still, I mean, Mike Lee, right from the beginning said, I just don't see anything here, you mm -hmm. know, that's impeachable. It's just safe. It's, you know? it's safe, yeah. That's why people admire Romney, because he's not necessarily always safe. He's not necessarily always partisan. He'll go out and go out on a limb and say what people think, you know, is, is, is right and wrong. He'll, he'll, he'll put himself out there. The question is, and the theory is, why is he doing this? What is Mitt Romney's end game? Everybody is trying to analyze what's he doing here? You know, he denies he wants to run for president. He denies that he's talked to other senators about him an impeachment yeah. vote. He's denying all this. So if that's the case, then what is he doing? What and if no, there is no end game? And, and there what may if he not just be wants to say what's on his yeah, mind? Yeah, yeah. Just that, a good guy. <laughs> yeah, but politicians, there's always an end game. I mean, I certainly understand that we spend our lives analyzing what they you know, say and yeah. do and what the meaning is behind it or the subtext, but sometimes it's just, this is how I feel. Yeah. But Ben, what, what do you think about that? You combine what he's saying there with the fact he's, he's hosting fundraisers for other Republican candidates around the country. He's, he's directing funds uh, to various candidates. I mean, is this kind of, is, is he kind of emerging as that person that maybe his, the, the Republican colleagues wants, need? Maybe. Well, I guess, we'll, I guess yeah, we'll see. Maybe. You know, I, for fundraising, I think they do need, you know, Mitt Romney does help them. I mean, after he lost in 2012, he was still one of the hottest speakers on the circuit for all these other Senate candidates. Yeah. He raised a lot of money for them. Do they owe him a favor now? We'll have to wait and see. Okay, I guess so. Uh, well, before we leave this, uh, we, let's talk about the inquiry a little bit. And, and Michelle, uh, uh, Congressman Ben McAdams, he's been the one that people are watching from, from the Democratic side, right, right. Because to see what he's going to do with some, some of his colleagues there in the House. Uh, I, I want to show a, a quote from him because he's trying to find the balance that you mentioned just a moment ago, which is why I want your take on this. Uh, uh, Congressman McAdams said that, uh, I will continue to approach this inquiry with the same thoughtful and deliberative mindset that I have everything else 
during my time in service. Yeah. Washington is already low on results, and we cannot allow this inquiry to stop our progress altogether. Yeah, yeah, his statement made me th forget about what we were talking about. Just, oh yeah, you're really great. You know, it was more about what he's done before. Um, you know, he, he took a while to get in. He's now said that he wants to make sure that he remains a neutral judge and, and, and uh, um, see what happens. I, I think it's safe. Mm -hmm. uh, historically, uh, the impeachment proceeding has not been a winning issue. No, no. So no. it's, 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 you know, divisive. Um, American citizens hate political divisiveness. They hate partisanship, even though you hear a lot about it because those that engage in it are loud. But, you know, normal voters hate it partisanship. Yeah. And uh, it just, impeachment brings out the ugly. Yeah, so, so Ben, I'm not sure anyone hears more on the street than you do from people. Talk, talk about what you're hearing from people about that very issue. Is it, is it, when we start talking about impeachment, is it turning people off? Is there some risk? It, it's, it depends on the topic. I think it's just, it's, if you are in Ben McAdams' district, um, it, he's either not left enough or he's practically a rhino, depending on who you're talking to at the time. Um, it's tough to say. People, I think people do get fatigued by all of this. You question how much sometimes people are paying attention to everything that is happening in Washington because a lot of politics just gets local. And, um, you know, it's that thing that's happening over there and, yeah. and, you know, whatever. Oh, the president tweeted. Okay, what's a tweet? Um, you know, it, so it, I think it's you're in a situation where heading into waters where you're not going to win no matter what you do. He knows it will yeah. be weaponized yeah. by yep. those who are running against him. Yeah, yeah. But you know, on that on that point, I, I, I think the Democrats, we are going to see articles of impeachment. I think they've gone down that path. I don't think there's any turning back for Nancy Pelosi now and the Democrats. They've started the ball rolling, and I think you're going to see eventually articles of impeachment, and then it goes over to the Senate, and it's just going to be interesting to watch how that all pans out. But I agree with Ben. To a lot of people around the country, they're, they're asking the basic question, what is impeachment? And what did he do that was so bad? Yeah. There was a time when we didn't hear this word as much as we do now. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's true. But that is... That's but it's been tossed around against Trump since even before he was elected. Mm. I mean, the day after he was elected, all of a sudden, impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit to a, a local race that's coming up, our Salt Lake City mayor. So, uh, Ben, I'd love to hear what you think about what's happened this last week, because we know these candidates fairly well, but now we're getting the battle of the endorsements. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, a big one for Luz Escamilla this week. Yes. To Talk Salt about Lake that. City Mayor Jackie Biskupski. Um, it's been pretty much an open secret in the city that she was supporting Escamilla. She was at the primary election party yeah. sporting a lose for mayor sticker. So uh, <laughs> pretty obvious there. But it is a big endorsement, and it does carry some weight because this is the mayor picking who she believes should be her successor. Um, the, it doesn't also hurt that she was surrounded by some LGBTQ community mm -hmm. leaders who were also saying this is who we support as well. Um, because that's a big voting block in Salt Lake City, especially as the city is sort of a, an island of blue in the red state. Yeah. And, um, you know, but obviously Erin Mendenhall has her own group of endorsements, including two of the openly LGBTQ council members. 
who have backed her, as well as you know a, a number of other members of the LGBTQ community. So that, but it's a significant uh, thing because it, but it also shows how close this race is going to be. Um, and then of course you can make the argument: Do endorsements matter or not? Do people pay attention to endorsements? Do voters do? But when you're running such hyper local campaigns um, that these people are on, you're going door to door, neighborhood by neighborhood. Um, they have to have some impact in that it's, oh, this person who I respect in the community is saying this. Now, you can also make that argument about whether the mayor is one of those endorsements that you want because uh, polling-wise, she hasn't exactly been popular at all times, but some of her policy positions, she obviously carries some weight, um, some of her environmental initiatives, people who are mm -hmm. supportive of her stances on the inland port, you know, they may pay, pay more attention yeah. to where she's leaning and who she's supporting. Yeah. I, I just want to pick up on, on what Ben was saying in that regard. When I was in Texas, we used to call Austin the blueberry in the tomato soup. Well, Salt Lake City is the blueberry in Utah's tomato soup, so to speak. So I think, uh, I agree with Ben, I think the Biskupski endorsement probably carries more weight than any of the others, because I'm with Ben. I, I, I will always argue, I don't think endorsements are a big deal, other than the fact that they may get the media coverage and people may talk about it. But I think in the case of Luz Escamilla, with the mayor behind her, it may help her, but then it, it may hurt her as well. It, it's really hard to say. Go ahead, Michelle. I don't, I don't think it was a surprise. Um, you know, Mendenhall and Biskupski have not had a great <laughs> positive track record because of Inland Port. That's you right. know, they've they've butted heads quite a few times, and and so I, I don't think anybody would have expected otherwise. I think it says more about the fact that Mendenhall and Biskupski have always been separate than yeah. it does about anything else. Uh, do, do you think this endorsement helps Luz Escamilla? Um, I think any endorsement helps lose Escamilla as much as endorsements can help, which is not a lot. Uh huh. So, but there's some interesting, notable people that that came out this week for Aaron Mendenhall. Also, uh, Ted Wilson, Karen Shepard. Those were interesting. Uh, and I'm kind of curious to what Ben was saying also about these big endorsements. It seems like that's what everyone wants right now. Yeah, but voters forget. You know, voters voters don't say, "Oh, you know, I really, um, you know, I, I really care about what so and so thinks," and so I'm gonna. Vote, vote because that yeah. instead of what they what they've learned yeah. about the policy and positions to, yeah. of and the not candidates. To make Ted Wilson and, and Karen Shepard uh, and not to degrade them in a way in, in any way but there are some very young voters who are going who's Who? Ted Wilson <laughs> and who's Karen Shepard you know so it, it's really interesting to watch I think with endorsements. Mm -hmm. uh, so as we get ready to go into this this uh, election cycle which is coming quick quickly Rod uh, if, if the endorsements have a certain impact like we just decided how are these candidates right now trying to differentiate themselves because the policies are not very different. No they aren't they aren't and I, I don't know what it comes down to you know it's going to turn out and I think we all know this on election day who can get out the vote. Mm -hmm. Who's got the organization? Who's going to get people? Who's uh, generating enthusiasm among the voters to go actually vote? Because turnout in municipal elections, unfortunately, is always very, very low. And it shouldn't be, but that's the case. So I think it comes down to who, who has the organization to get out the vote. And I haven't seen any polling yet for yeah. the general election, but I suspect that it will be awfully close. Voters that I talk to mm -hmm. um, in Salt Lake City, I'm a Salt Lake City resident as well, and voters I talk to say they, I mean, they're, they're struggling with who to decide, and they, at the end of the day, some of them that I've talked to just throw their hands up and say, you know, I'll be fine with, it, with whichever <laughs> one wins, really. I think it's, they're both great. But at the end, they still have to make Hopefully that choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. know, and really, you know, the message is just exercise your right, people. You, you have a right, exercise it, regardless yeah. of who you vote for, what you do, just vote.
Yeah, that's a nice plug right there. There you go. <laughs> so let's talk about voting because I got I've got to talk about John Huntsman. <laughs> okay, so so he's back, yeah. Michelle. Yeah. All right, back back in town, and we'll, uh, let's let's start with one interesting thing. Just this week, he he wrote a, a piece for the New York Times mm -hmm. about sanctions in Russia. Right. So really important Utah-based interest that, that <laughs> Utah voters are going to cling to when election time comes if he runs for governor. So so why then? If um, I think, like he said, it was his goodbye letter. It was, you know, this is what I've done for this amount of time. Um, I came in having great hopes of wanting to do a lot, and kind of the bottom fell out of U.S.-Russia policy right when I started. And, you know, not not quite a justification for why, you know, what I wanted to happen didn't happen, but maybe just, uh, you know, this is what I wanted, and this maybe is a is a, you know, a, a record going forward of where we should be. Mm -hmm. I think it was authentic and genuine and, and uh, a goodbye. Okay. Uh, we don't often get a, a, a governor that uh, has that kind of world experience. So, so Ben, kind of t help us understand what might just happen here, because I think the phrase we heard this week is that uh, he's looking, taking a good look at running for governor again. You got to do the risk reward analysis <laughs> and whether it's worth it. And if he jumps in, the attack ad may have been written from within his own party, which is you quit us to go work for Obama in China. And then you went to go run for president and you quit the job you had in China to run for president. And then you went to work for Trump in Russia and then you quit that to come back to us. You know, it, are you gonna quit us again? It's a hard narrative. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough one to yeah. overcome. And those are questions that, I mean, I would ask him and that everybody, mm -hmm. I, every reporter I think would ask him is, you know, how serious are you about this or are we just another stepping stone? Yeah, why? Yeah. And, and I can see even people within the Republican Party, if he runs as a Republican, I don't know if he runs as an independent or whatever, but writing that and, and making that a narrative. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, yeah. Rod. Well, and it, 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 there, there are two things. First of all, the Republican Party here in Utah is a lot different from today from what it was when John Huntsman first ran. So the party is different. The sell job, I think Ben makes a great point, you know, convince me that you're going to stay with this. Now, you talk to almost everybody, what I find funny, I mean, I can talk from the people who clean our building at the end of the day to some of the best connected people in town. Everyone says, yeah, he's going to run. He's made his decision. He's going to run. Well, nobody really knows that until they announce it, but he's got some challenges. Now, his argument could be, you know, if Utah wants to step up on an international scale, he's got the contacts. I mean, you know, he's been to China. He's been to Russia. You know, some big corporation could get a phone call and hope. By the way, John Huntsman Jr. is on the phone. They'll probably answer. So he's got to paint a vision and a picture as to where he wants to take Utah. And Utahns have to believe that he's not going to get up and leave if a better job comes along. So what does he do, Rod, uh, based on this conversation we just had right there, to reassure voters that he's, he's staying, uh, he's got their interest, maybe this worldview in mind? T tell us what you, you kind of think he needs well, to do. Well, I, I think, you know... Uh, I, I've been told that of all the jobs that he's had, the job that he felt he was really getting the most done was when he was governor. He, he really did have an impact. So maybe he plays up on that and says, look what I was able to do when I was governor and take on those challenges. Uh, but he, I mean, it's going to be a tough sell to convince people. Now, the other thing, 
you've got two avenues now to get on the ballot that you know he doesn't have to go through the caucus or the convention anymore he can just get signatures so there are two different avenues for him to get on uh-huh. and so Michelle when he left uh, he left as a very popular governor and has a, a lot of experience since then uh, his if he enters the race right now just kind of talk about what happens with these other candidates the ones we know about Spencer Cox yeah. we know yeah. maybe you get Spencer Eccles in this race Thomas Wright I, I think they just, you know, they they remind voters quickly, often, and, and as much as they can about his record. And um, But as we've seen Spencer Cox, he says, hey, the more the merrier. You know, this is more conversations, more people come in. It, it, it makes it a better conversation. It makes it a better election. He, you know, like he said, he's not afraid of other competition coming in. And um, he made the distinction of, you know, a Utah royal family versus, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just a Utah, and so you know, there's lots of things that that I think other candidates will be able to play up on. Uh-huh. So, so Rod, it's interesting to just look at kind of the, the election itself because uh, several of these candidates probably are on the same part of the political mm-hmm. spectrum. Mm-hmm. All right, so so how does that impact this potential race? Do you see it when you get someone that's more more conservative uh, that may jump in the race, like a Greg Hughes or a Thomas? Right? How does well, I think he impacts some of the fringe candidates who've been talking out there. It wouldn't surprise me if, Tom, if he gets in that Thomas Wright says, no, Spencer Eccles, no. It may come down to a three- or four-person race. I think uh, it may come down to uh, Spencer Cox. Greg Hughes is getting in. He's got money. Uh, I think uh, Huntsman, if he gets in. And Bishop. Uh, I spoke with Bishop in Washington last week, and I said, where are you on this? He said, well, I'm leaning in one direction. <laughs> and I said, okay, what direction? He wouldn't tell me. Yes. So, you right. know, but, but Rob Bishop hates campaigning. He hates raising money. So that may play on him as well. So it's going to be interesting to see. I still think that when you get to the state GOP convention, you're going to have a big field for this wide open seat. And, um, it's going to be a free-for-all. And you're like right. 11 last time. Yeah, yeah. and, and really, because um, you also still have Jeff Burningham, who is uh, actively right. campaigning yeah. right now. Um, and it's just going to be, I think, but remember, Huntsman was very popular. Some of the highest mm-hmm. approval yeah. ratings yeah. of any governor. So that works in his favor. People like him. People like him a lot. And they know the name. They know the name. They trust him. They like him. It's just going to be an interesting, uh, it's going to be a wild race. And yeah, it's different. You don't need to go through okay. caucus convention and I got to ask you one more thing. Okay. Uh, it, it, well, it would be interesting if he is elected governor and Mitt Romney, of course, will still be U.S. senator. Ah, uh, talk, about, talk, talk hey, about an interesting relationship. In our, in our last minute or so, I just want to get your take on this. An announcement just today uh, that the state of Utah at the University of Utah is going to host the vice presidential debate for 2020. Michelle, what kind of a deal is this? It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Utah on the national scene once again. You know, we're we're more often looked at as, as relevant in the conversation and, you know, good for Hinckley uh, Institute to, to get that catch. And I think it's going to be fun and great and it, good job. It's oh, awesome. I'm kind of excited about it it's also. Huge. Ben is a member of the press. Okay, go We're ahead. not just a flyover <laughs> state anymore, no. guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is what's something that's interesting, right? Because these candidates do spend time here. Not only that, they're all going to come yeah. here for this. Go well, ahead. Well, and I think it's starting to show with this election, it shows the emergence of the Mountain West is starting to get some recognition. Uh, the, emer- the Mountain West states are very are becoming more and more important as more people move from California to the Mountain West states. These 
these states are becoming more important, and this is an indication, which I think is fantastic for the state, that we're being recognized for that. Mm -hmm. Is there a Utah way that seems to be resonating nationally? Yeah, of course, and the, you know, and, and it only helps our, our land development and our land, you know, the yeah. property policy and all of that stuff. People come, people come to our parks, and people come here, and and we're relevant, and That's it's true. nice. Thank you all for your comments today. We'll be ready for that debate. Yes. We, we need all of you. We will be. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode of The Hinkley Report. If you like listening to the experts talking about the issues, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app.